This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide issue that affects you. Shayna is off this week, but I wanted to talk about something that's happening in Michigan politics that might not be getting the attention that it deserves, considering it is a monumental change in the way that we do something that is fundamental to the way that we're represented in this state. And we are talking about the redistricting process now under a independent citizens redistricting commission instead of the legislature drawing those lines. It's the first time we've gone through this process, and I wanted to bring in someone who is following it really closely. Ben Solis is with Gongwer News Service in Lansing. Ben, welcome to Mishmash. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So really quick, tell us where we're at in this process. I know we're really starting to get rolling now. Certainly. We are headlong into the map making process. It's been about um, uh, a little more over uh, about a year since they've started, and uh, now they are finally into the nitty-gritty of actually drawing these maps. So they have three plans on the table. Uh, one is a state house map, uh, which is still being drawn, and then also uh, two state Senate maps, uh, one that is being drawn collectively by the group, and then one of them is uh, one that was proposed by Commissioner Anthony Ede, um, and they're a little bit different. So uh, when, I, when I asked, they are very much competing plans. They're very much on the table and on equal footing. So, you know, they're, they're simultaneously building two state Senate maps while drawing also one state House map. So what are some of the maybe early takeaways that we can glean from the maps that we're seeing now in terms of the directions that the commission might be taking? Uh, I think that there are a lot of assumptions and predispositions about what uh, this would mean for the political futures of our parties here in Michigan. But what are some of the takeaways for you as someone who is really following this closely? Certainly. I mean, one of the big takeaways, too, is that um, there's a lot to consider. There's multiple factors and constitutional criteria now that the Independent Commission has to consider uh, as they're drawing maps, and those are all ranked criteria. But right now, uh, just to get their footing, they're building the maps simply uh, on population based on the census data that they've received. Um, So as they're doing this, uh, the maps are going to kind of look a little wonky against their against their uh, regional backdrops that they built, um, and they will not consider the community of interest portion, which is a big part of the constitutional criteria, and then the political fairness portion uh, until later. So what's very interesting about this is that the way that the maps are being built right now by population, if it continues on the track uh, that it's on, uh, a couple of observations people have made is that with population density, it looks like these maps are very, 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 um, leaning Republican, uh, mm. that the Republicans could could get a lot of value from these maps and maybe not so much the Democrats. And I think that once they get done with their population maps, they're simply going to have to just redo most of their work. A lot of what is already on the table and is on the map board uh, might get re- redrawn simply from a part of, uh, partisan fairness uh, aspect and then also when you're considering all the community of interest stuff. So it's it's interesting watching this happen in real time because you know, they're, they're building the maps, they have an idea what, what they're going to do, but it could all get thrown away uh, in, later in the month. So. so if I'm hearing you right, is it, it, it's probably too early to really read too much into what we're seeing already. Certainly. There's so much more work that needs to be done and so many other things that need to be considered as they're building. I think the population um, 
way of doing this first was helpful for them because it gets a sense of like where everybody's at, what these things would look like if they're based solely on population. And certainly there's a lot more work to do and a lot more to consider. So, you know, I, I caution people getting, you know, too, um, too into the weeds on, on the maps that they are, that are present and available right now because they're just subject to change. One of the things that you're getting at here really is the ability to watch this process from the beginning and see all of the different steps being taken. Uh, this is really the first time we've been able to do that here in Michigan, if I'm correct, that uh, in the past, you know, we, we've uh, seen the legislature take up maps that it's proposing. Uh, but this is a fundamentally different experience for people covering this, for people who are uh, who are involved in the public comment and the, the citizens who are paying a lot of attention to this. Uh, reflect a little bit on that. I mean, you're really sort of in new territory here as a reporter covering this. Yeah, it's been fascinating to watch, um, especially since it is so new. You know, at the very beginning of this process, they were very procedural um, in, in their decision-making, um, you know, hiring staff, figuring out how they're going to do this, and a lot of it was just kind of continuing education. But now we're really starting to see the product of all that education and all their uh, homework that they've done because they're actually now building these maps. They're not doing it themselves. They're doing it with, you know, a consultant uh, that they've hired to help them along the way. But yeah, I mean, this is probably why it feels kind of so laborious, you know, to watch some of this stuff, and it's kind of confusing because, you know, these these commissioners are laypeople. They don't have political experience. They don't uh, have experience in past map making and census data. Um, so, you know, that's all very new to them as well. And I think that they're they're trying to very much take their time and go as slow as they can, despite you know their their time crunch that they're under, which is a whole other issue because of the delayed census data. Um, but I think they're trying to be very deliberate, and uh, it's it's interesting to watch because you know their choices are live in real time. There's public comment that's going on in, in the chat uh, underneath their YouTube stream. People on social media are commenting on it at the same time. And I've seen instances where you know some social media savvy commissioners are in the meeting, kind of like tweeting and reacting um, to what people are saying in real time as well while they're they're drawing maps. So it's this weird uh, kind of collaborative process for them, but also for us because we get to see what they're doing. And as you mentioned, that was not the case before. These decisions were done by partisans in smoky back rooms, and most people didn't uh, actually see any of the maps until they were finally proposed. And this is quite the opposite. You're seeing all these maps be built in in real time. You're seeing them lay down lines and then decide that that's not going to work and they'll take back lines. Uh, You know, last meeting they boxed themselves in population-wise while they were you know, doing the the Lansing area, and I watched them build a district and then completely just trash it because it didn't work. And um, I think that's one of the benefits of this whole process. You know, right now it might seem kind of um, odd to some of the people that that wanted this pushed through with the the amendment. Um, I think there was a sense from some Democrats that, you know, any independent commission that would be building this would be potentially favorable to them. And I think that they're finding that that's probably not the case. So, yeah, quite everyone is really watching with bated breath right now, but it's it's much better than it had been because at least people can comment, they can react, and they can see what this commission is doing in real time. 
Let's talk about that time crunch that you mentioned. As you said, there was a delay in the census data, and uh, the Supreme Court was not uh, was not re- receptive to the uh, d- the commission's request for a uh, delay in its deadline. So, uh, the way things are moving right now, what are what should we expect in terms of uh, whether or not we'll get these lines drawn, approved, put in place uh, when they need to be? Certainly. I think it's a foregone and accepted conclusion from not only the commission and, and anyone watching that they're going to blow their constitutional deadline. The census data was, was supposed to come out uh, much earlier in the spring, um, but due to you know, the pandemic in 2020 and some of the procedural uh, roadblocks that the um, administration of, of former President Donald Trump uh, had in, in the way of some census collectors, it really delayed the entire process of them actually vetting and, and analyzing that data. So, you know, they they have not received the full, full data. It's the same data. Um, the data that they received is in a much um, harder to manage and harder to, to read uh, uh, legacy format as opposed to all these, these tabulated things. So, you know, there was this delay in the census data, and they were really worried that, okay, if we're put off – several months, we might not meet this constitutional deadline of November 1 to have proposed maps out. Um, so very, very cognizant of that deadline and, 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 you know, the delay, they did seek a deadline extension from the Michigan Supreme Court. However, the Supreme Court majority found that, you know, they have not blown their deadline yet. They were asking for legal cover that, you know, for a situation that hasn't quite happened yet. And I think the most interesting thing is, is that the way that the amendment is written, this commission is the only body that can draw the maps. Should they, you know, go past their deadline and, and you know, uh, a party sues them um, for timeliness or, you know, what is known as like a mandamus challenge, which, um, you know, forces a body to, to complete their work um, if the court so orders, you know, even if they say complete the work, you pass your deadline, it's still going to get put back into the hands of the commission. So it's kind of odd. I think that they were doing um, the request not just to, to give themselves legal cover too, but to kind of be transparent with the public saying, like, look, we're very aware that we might blow this deadline and it was, you know, due to something that was completely out of our hands. What direction do you want us to go in? And the court was not willing to give them that direction. They said, you know, what, once you get sued, which is probably inevitable and for you know, various factors. Then we'll take up the fact of, you know, did you blow your deadline and, and will you be given more time? And I think until that happens, you know, the court just doesn't want to be involved. But yeah, the way that the schedule is, is set now, you know, they may not have uh, maps approved until the end of this year. And then there's also all these, these public comment portions and public comment periods that are, you know, baked into this whole process too that are mandatory. So that even sets them out even further. I think that the plan is, is to finally have these, these maps effective as law um, by March. And I believe that date is March 3, but I have to go back and check that. But that would only give, you know, prospective candidates who, you know, have an idea of what the maps look like right now and, you know, what they'll become practically a month to, you know, go through the process of, you know, declaring their candidacies, uh, filing paperwork, getting signatures, um, and to to be in these new districts. So, you know, it's kind of nail-biting, not just for them, but also for, you know, prospective candidates because they don't know what these districts are going to look like. Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask about the practical implications of this for next year's elections. I mean, members of the legislature, especially incumbents, are already doing things. You can see them out and about 
campaigning uh, for all intents and purposes uh, the way that they would be if they're running for re-election. But a lot of them don't know what seats or districts they're actually running for at this point, if I'm reading it correctly. I mean, it sounds like, um, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the commission, uh, you know, even if even if the legal trouble, as you said, sort of like circles back right on them th- themselves, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that they uh, are feeling this crunch in a way, uh, because uh, look, I mean, you know, the way that our uh, political cycles work uh, in this state and all over the country is uh, it's not just the weeks and months leading up to the election. It's the year or years leading up to the election sometimes. Certainly. I mean, there's a lot of um, groundwork that needs to be laid when you decide you're going to run or run for reelection. Um, and I think the, the commission is cognizant of that. I think they're um, sympathetic to the fact that, you know, some of these, these candidates might scramble and, you know, their decisions might scramble the districts that they, they exist in already. Um, but I think it, it all goes back to the charge of the commission, right? The commission was charged with, with redrawing these maps in a way that is fair and, and it takes, you know, the partisan majority aspect of it out of the equation. So. I don't think that they, um, and I, I don't want to speak for them, but I don't think that that is something that they really care about right now. Of course, they understand that it's going to be complicated and difficult for these candidates, but I think their their main focus is just creating maps that um, are not only you know passable by the courts, um, but you know that really represent and and speak to the spirit of why this commission was uh, put together. So, you know, while they're probably sympathetic to that, I think they're like, well, you know, we're doing the best we can. You know, you'll have at least a month to to figure out what you want to do. And if you're a seasoned politician, you might be better at, you know, kind of navigating that. Maybe, you know, lay people who are deciding to run for office for the first time might have a more difficult time. But again, I think it goes back to the spirit of we're focused on on building fair maps, not necessarily, you know, concerned with, you know, the hardships that some of these candidates might face, you know, as, as the delay happened. And again, this delay is completely out of their hands. If they had just, you know, been sitting on their thumbs and not moving, that would be a much different situation. But they were really relying on that, that census data, and without it, it was very hard for them to go forward. I will say, though, that, you know, their process that they've built um, allows, allows people to, you know, make some, some assumptions about what they're doing, and I think that's important too. But again, like I said, all subject to change. People will be redrawn in districts that they may not have been before. They might, you know, face, you know, fellow colleagues in the legislature for certain districts that were drawn in different districts. It's it's all going to be kind of topsy turvy. So one one thing I wanted to touch on, going back to the commission and how it's operating itself, I mean, we, we have this sort of experiment in some ways with having a commission split between people, as you said, lay people, people who don't have backgrounds in politics, but have affiliations with Democrats, some uh, with affiliations with the Republican Party, and, uh, well, I, I should say that are, that consider themselves Republicans, others that consider themselves dev- Democrats, and some that consider themselves unaffiliated uh, with, with a political ideology. Uh, I'm curious how they've been able to work together. I've seen some of the meetings myself, but uh, from your perspective, if someone who Who's really been entrenched in this? Uh, are we seeing uh, the same sort of political bickering that you'd expect from another public body made up of elected officials, uh, or has it been different in terms of uh, their ability to work across political lines and, and, and thoughts? 
I would say that it is the latter. You know, you look at, um, you know, larger state bodies, like, say, the State Board of Education, right? And there's very clear clear partisan differences over, over things that are decided by that body. That's not the case here. And I think a part of that has to do with the fact that they, they realize, you know, the gravity of what they're doing. Yes, you're absolutely correct. There are four uh, Democratic Party-affiliated um, individuals. There are four Republican Party-affiliated uh, individuals, and then five independents balancing the load. Um, and, you know, even just procedurally, the way that the, the process works is that when they do have to take these votes on, the, on these maps, they have to have a majority vote, but also have um, votes from at least one Republican, one Democrat, and one Independent. Um, so there needs to be that, that whole spectrum of, of, you know, political affiliations represented in that final vote. So, you know, going back to the original question, yes, um, they, they're getting along quite fine. I think that, you know, more recently they've had um, some, some, you know, they butted heads on certain things, um, but that's simply because this map-making process is, is really intense, and um, the communities of interest uh, requirement is also brand new to them, too, so that's why they were out there collecting all this input. There had been some squabbles, I guess, um, from some, you know, of the, the more partisan individuals about, you know, where they were going to collect that input. Um, there was at least one squabble about, uh, you know, whether they were going to say the, the Pledge of Allegiance before the meetings. And I think that, in my mind, after covering all of this, that is the one time that I could pick out and say, oh, that's, that's a partisan debate that they're yeah. having right now. It had nothing to do with the maps. It had nothing to do with, you know, the new boundaries. But, you know, they were, they were arguing about that. It was eventually tabled and, and squashed and moved on. But, you know, for the most part, I think that they uh, respect each other. I think that they've worked hard to, to understand who each other are um, and uh, where they come from, what their backgrounds are. And I think that, again, it goes back to them fully understanding that it's not about them, it's not about their party affiliation, it's about building these fair maps. So, I mean, the group is really, really good about that. Could that change as, as we get you know, further in this map-making process and, you know, when we actually have uh, draft-proposed maps that, you know, are, are favoring a party in a certain way that they might have to go back and retweak. Um, yeah, we could see that happen. Um, it's yet to be seen, though. But for right now, yeah, they, they've gotten along quite well. Are there any things that you've observed or that you – um, that, that you've reported on that you think um, aren't getting enough attention about this process that you think people should know? I think it's, um, it's difficult to say because I think a lot of people don't understand this. Um, you know, one, one comment I think I found on social media was that, you know, the caveat of all of this is that, you know, people are tuning in and they're seeing maps be built and then, you know, like I mentioned, trashed to, to you know, consider other things. And I think that maybe some of the misunderstanding of what they're doing um, could, could cause some problems and especially some public backlash. But, you know, I think it all goes back to that, you know, this is all just so new. I think everybody's kind of learning as they go. And that's the case with the commission, too. You know, they, they seem like experts now because they've had months and months of education on this. Um, but, you know, they're, again, they're just doing this for the first time, too. Uh, I guess there's, there's an aspect of, you know, just trying to understand uh, what's going on and, you know, I don't think there's a lot of, um, I mean, you can find experts on social media who know a lot about this. I follow several people that are kind of helping me make sense of some of this as well. 
Um, but I think without those resources, people are kind of just left to, to build their own assumptions about what's going on. And I think that's going to maybe kind of uh, bite the commission a little bit once they propose a map, because obviously no one's going to be um, happy with everything that they do. Um, but I feel like maybe some of the, uh, the, the, not misinformation, but just being misinformed about the process is going to affect some of the public comments they'll have on the map. So I guess we'll see. One one thing that I've seen is there are sitting members of uh, of, of public bodies that are sending out essentially fundraising emails saying, look, uh, my district is going to be so much worse for me next year. You know, give us money so that we can, uh, you know, make sure that we stay in Congress or stay in the state legislature or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, for one thing, I'm curious what your thoughts are about those kinds of uh, uh, messaging around this. Obviously, um, anyone who gets fundraising emails uh, and knows anything about politics knows that usually you will get um, a kind of alarmist, uh, you know, literature along with those asking you for money so that you will actually open your wallets. But when people see that, when people see, um, you know, these messages that are related directly to what people's districts are going to look like uh, this next cycle, uh, what do you think they should keep in mind? I think they should watch these meetings. I think they should sit and watch most of these meetings, you know, to better understand what's going on as opposed to being possibly misled by campaign messaging saying, I'm either not going to have a district or my district's going to be much, much, much tougher to win. Um, I think that that you, you kind of hit it. It is a little alarmist. And I think it's maybe just too soon. Obviously, these these campaigns, um, you know, have uh, their reasons for reaching out to people for, for money um, to help their campaigns out. But yeah, I guess like you know that's just too soon to be to be said because who knows what these districts are going to look like, and certainly these candidates don't know because they're not on on the commission and board, and you know this process isn't isn't being led by insiders anymore. Um, so I think it's just too soon to be doing all of that, and that's kind of unfortunate that that's the case because I think that might you know have effect on how people view this process when you know if they just sat and and kind of watched this, even if they don't understand it. Uh, they'll get a better sense of what's going on as opposed to, you know, uh, politicians telling them how it's going on. And, and and what should people know if they want to tune in or they want to participate directly? I mean, people have sort of a unprecedented opportunity to watch, observe, and participate this time around. Uh, what advice would you give listeners who uh, want to be more involved? Well, all of their meetings are live streamed, which is fantastic. And, you know, that, that was a product of, of the pandemic um, as most public bodies moved uh, to online. But uh, as we've, you know, kind of come out more of the pandemic, which, you know, is a changing situation every single day, this, this particular body has, has made it a point to stream every single one of their meetings on YouTube. Uh, those meetings are saved and archived the minute that they're over, so you can watch past meetings. They have a pretty robust public comment tool, which you can leave public comments, whether it's, you know, on a specific Mac configuration, if they want to give uh, communities of interest um, uh, public input, or if they want to draw a map themselves, they can do that. And even though that they're out of this, um, you know, data narrative uh, collection phase, which was what they were doing when they were going around different cities to, to gauge, you know, what their communities of interest are, they're going to collect, uh, you know, input on this until they have a draft proposed map, which could be, you know, at least a month out. So there's still all these opportunities for people to say, I don't like what you're doing, or I do like what you're doing. You know, if you, if you create a map this way, I'll support it. Um, 
you know, so there's, there's a lot of opportunities for engagement. So that, those are the two things I would say to, to do if you want to be most involved in this process is watch the meetings. They can be very long, you know, hours and hours. I think six hours was the last meeting that they had, and um, they had only just drawn a few districts. But that's the best way to do it is just to, you know, um, learn as much as you can about the commission on their website, watch their meetings, and, and you know, speak your, speak your piece uh, if, you, if you like a map or you don't like a map. Ben Solis is a reporter for Gongwer, Michigan. He has been covering the redistricting process here in Michigan extensively. Ben, thank you so much for joining us on uh, Mishmash today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate it.